0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way back with you guys for another show and another episode of our analyzing Arsenal series. We're showing which we look back at the latest Arsenal fixture, see where things went very well, which is what we're doing quite a lot of for Arsenal at the moment with 10 games now unbeaten. And of course, if things aren't going so well, we can look into those and see how we might improve ahead of the next game, which is quite a big one, considering after the international break, we'll be playing Liverpool uh, with a chance to actually overtake them. If you'd have said to me, David Hughes, uh, if Arsenal had the opportunity to go above Liverpool after their 5-0 loss against Man City, I would have said you're mad. Would you have <laughs> agreed?
1: 100%. Yeah, I definitely would not have said that at the time. But it's a testament to, to how good uh, Arsenal have been you know, for the past, say, six or seven weeks. and I, Obviously, you people listening and us will we'll be aware of it, but I do think that the kind of wider Premier League community uh haven't really been picking up on the results Arsenal have been getting. Uh, maybe it's because they haven't been blowing sides away, I don't know, but you know, stead- steadily been going about the business and, and just picking up positive results after positive results. And as you said, now suddenly closed the gap on on Liverpool, who are. Uh, you know by uh, definitely consider title contenders this season uh i have to be honest despite being on the arsenal uh an arsenal podcast i'm not going to start calling arsenal title contenders and i don't think <laughs> you disagree tom but it's definitely no a sure. testament to uh to how well they've done over these past few weeks
0: yeah it really genuinely is and i mean the game against Watford was for me an example of the games in which Arsenal are going to have to grind out a result in that things aren't necessarily going to go their way missing penalties offside goals even goals that weren't going to be offside being nicked because Aubameyang decides he wants to steal Martin Odegaard's thunder uh, towards the end of the match as well. I mean, if you look at the games previously, Leicester, Villa, Arsenal scored quite early in those games and they were able to kind of sit back and then hit on the counter. They weren't able to do that in, in this game and they really had to kind of grind out their result. And, and they did that. Looking specifically kind of the the way in which that they settled, uh, I'm mean, interestingly, Gabriel and, and Ben White had the highest number of passing combinations, 43 in total, which to me, David, kind of tells me that Arsenal were willing to be patient whilst they weren't getting their... Uh, their early goal, just, you know, keep the build up slow and then work their way through that Watford team and and going back and forth laterally until they found an opening.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely some of that. Um, There'll be patience in there, which we'll come on to in a second, but there there probably will be an element of maybe struggling to break break down Watford as well at times. Um, But look, I think it, it ties in with control. You know, we know that Arteta's philosophy is wanting his side to be this controlling team, you know, dominate the ball. Uh, carve open teams and I think maybe two times in, sorry previous times in the past there's mm. been too many examples of of Arsenal being a little bit um, impatient in the play you know we've we've talked about the passing before um, we've spoken about shooting haven't we um, how there the tended to be this keenness to shoot from distance um, it was either the last time I was on the show or maybe the mm. time before that I think Arsenal had the 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 highest average um, shooting distance in the Premier League. I had a look before they come back on, and they've uh, they've dropped down to about fourth or fifth now. So that's slowly coming down, and I do think this ties in with the um, the combinations between the two centre backs. Um, you know, keeping hold of the ball, looking after it, waiting for those uh, opportunities to open. If they don't just keep the opposition moving from side to side, and eventually when the gaps do open to try, uh, try and expose them. Uh, I think what you're pointing out there with the combinations between the two uh, is probably a good example of that.
0: Abameyang had a really off game. Um, yeah, don't, that, you don't need yeah. to tell me because I yes. cast them on
1: fantasy football. <laughs> oh, no. He ruined, he ruined my weekend, let me tell what you. Was that
0: a minus two then? Yeah, uh, minus yeah. two, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so the other guy who comes on the show, Josh, you know yes. Yeah, regular listeners will be uh, aware of, uh, Josh, yeah, he he just got the brunt of my uh, voice notes and complaints on Sunday night where I was um saying I'm done with this game. It's it's pure luck, it's this and that, but <laughs> specifically not when you think of the how his performance kind of played out. You touched on at the start of the show, you know, they had the uh, the goal ruled out where he would you know, he would have gotten got himself an assist. Mm. Um he obviously missed really? the penalty and then what happened later on as well. It was as you said a very strange performance.
0: And he looks, I mean, when you look at that passing shape, um, he looks isolated. In fact, uh, I just need to make a quick tweak because those two images are the, are the other way around. That's me going and looking in the opposite direction. You've got uh, the Watford game on the right-hand side there uh, and, and the Leicester game on the left. So Aubameyang against Watford in particular looked exceptionally isolated at the front. And Arsenal kind of, in a weird way, it's almost as if they were recognising that he was having an off game and instead really kind of using the wider areas to pass to and not necessarily using them as much of a focal point as they have in previous fixtures.
1: Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Aubameyang's really difficult to predict at the moment. I don't always necessarily think it comes down to his individual performance, but um, he does seem to be very hit and miss. And we've kind of said he seems to thrive in these Emirates games, you know, where the fans are there. And, uh he can kind of take a take a grip of the game and really stand out. But, yeah, I agree. I think this game wasn't maybe as best. And this is this is why it's really important that uh, Arsenal started recruiting uh, really good players to kind of soften the blow when these star names like Aubameyang aren't performing at the best or mm. for whatever reason, you're not able to get them in the game um and i think we we've said it before arsenal have been recruiting really well in recent times and and then you thankfully you can kind of turn to other plays to to you know uh ease the burden on them and still produce a and performance even if he's not at his
0: best absolutely um now in last episode with josh uh we talked about lukonga's influence in the game alongside parter he featured in Top three three of the top five passing combinations that day he isn't featuring as highly but he's still there for two of them uh from midfield and with Thomas Partey not available because of an injury and we know that Partey suffers with his injury problems he's proven that he can really you know step up to the plate and in addition to that Ainsley Mate niles who played alongside him also had a really strong fixture as well
1: yeah, well, it's it's funny, isn't it? It seemed very bizarre that Arteta wanted to keep him around in the summer when uh, Everton were obviously interested. They tried to they tried to sign him. Arteta said no. When it looked bizarre, because it seemed like his Arsenal career was was done. Well, not done, but certainly you know he was out in the cold, trickling out, trickling yeah. out, definitely. Yeah, but he's he's coming and he's, he's been doing really well, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, going back to the Conga, he's yeah, the way the way he's come in. Uh, he's 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 been fantastic, and I think what's really interesting, though, we're speaking about the passing, which, as you point out, you know, there's a trust in there's a trust in him. Um, but I guess you could argue maybe they're the numbers you kind of expect from the centre midfield who's coming in, and taking it off the mm. centre back. But I thought it was dead interesting that I had a look at the numbers, and since since that City game, you know, the five nil, everything looked a bit doom and gloom. He he obviously didn't play in that game, but he come back into the fold afterwards, Mm. Um, and he's played to varying degrees and virtually every game since. Um, I just think it's very interesting that whilst doing so, um, for whether it's a structure thing or whether he's doing something personally, you know, Arsenal's defensive numbers have been so impressive over the over that time. Um, I mean, having a look at under underlying numbers now, there's only in terms of expected goals against. Uh, combined numbers. There's only City and Chelsea who've got a lower number than Arsenal um, since that City game, you know. And that kind of ties him ties him within coming in. Um, so I think I, I think that's just a, an interesting side note when we're talking about him. Is uh, is it? He has been really influential to this seat, in, this team both without the ball, but also as we've just touched on in possession as well. He looks very assured. Very much
0: so. Um, One of the biggest talking points for the Arsenal team at the moment is the left-back position. Now, Tini was available again at the weekend. He sat out the game, but was on the bench rather than being injured as he has been previously. And Nuno Tavares has been excellent right in the three games he's played against Villa Leicester and, and now against uh, and now against Watford he's just been so influential for Arsenal and ironically one of the biggest kind of criticisms of that signing when he joined Arsenal was that a lot of the Benfica fans that I spoke to and some of the Portuguese experts I was speaking with said that offensively he looks great I mean we interviewed Joao Trelia who's the former coach at Benfica's youth side and he said how he converted him from a winger into a into a fullback into a wingback and that he was kind of still always going to be developing that defensive side of his game because instinctually he's so much more thinking in the, in the forward sense. Mm-hmm. But the heat map shows that he likes to play, not necessarily likes to play, but he's following the instructions to play deeper than T&E. He gets back. He's more physical. He's taller than T&E, He's got a better kind of frame than Tierney. So when this decision needs to be made after the international break and Arsenal will be up against Mohamed Salah, who for me and my money is probably the best player in the world right now, does. Do you think that that faith needs to be continued to be paid in Varish, or do you think Arteta should lean towards the experience of Tierney who's faced the Egyptian international before?
1: It is a conundrum. Uh, some would argue maybe a nice one to have. It's good that you know Arsenal have got a little bit more depth in that position now. Uh, I think his impact that he's had has, has been quite surprising, hasn't it? Obviously, that it looked like a good signing on paper, but maybe... Um, at the start of the season, if we would have anticipated the scenario we're in now, we wouldn't have expected it to be such a difficult decision.
0: Yeah. But
1: it is. Uh me personally, I'd still probably lean towards Tierney. Um, nothing against Tavares. I just think, um, well, you actually said it to be honest, Tom. I I just believe that experience maybe tips the scales more towards him. My only slight concern is maybe the, the fitness. You know, mm. it, it's going to be a really difficult game. He's been out for a while. Um,
0: he'll play for Scotland, good. of course, which oh, might of course.
1: Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Actually, that's actually a really good point. I'm glad you've, you've said that because I think that'll be key to get minutes under the belt. Um. So he'll it, be fit enough to come in. And the thing is with Tierney... T- yeah, he's. You'd still say he's a bit. He's stronger defensively, but he, you know he's no slouch when he's relied upon to go forward. Either is he? You know, he he, no. he kind of made a bit of a name for himself at Celtic, being a, a, a more of like an offensive kind of a kind of wing back. He's probably had to maybe be relied upon a little bit more defensively at times at Arsenal, uh, naturally because he's he's in a tougher league where Arsenal haven't been as dominant. Um, as they once were. Um, but it looks like maybe that's changing a little bit. And yeah, for me, I just think given the magnitude of the game, um, the opposition, as you said, Salah, fantastic. Uh, you got to worry about Alexander Arnold as well, the threat he has. Um, Liverpool tends to be playing with more offensive number eights at the moment as well, so that could cause a few issues. I'd probably just play it a little bit safer because despite obviously Liverpool probably coming into the game on it. well they are they'll be coming back into the game uh haven't lost to West Ham
0: hmm. I
1: still wouldn't look at I think this is a game Arsenal need to win um so I think they can be if they, if they come away with a, a solid draw uh then that would be a good result and I think Tony maybe helps in that regard and keeping them quite solid at the back.
0: yeah I think there's a. I mean, there could be scope, and I mean, for for Scotland, Tini's going to be playing in this left centre back role. Ironically, with with Liverpool's Andrew Robertson ahead of him, and there could be scope if Arsenal and Arteta specifically wants to be a bit tactical to, to copy that system and go to a back three at Anfield with Tavares playing in that wing back role, tinney playing in that left centre back role that he uses. He's played in for Scotland. You then can operate with with gabriel and ben white white we know has played in the back three a lot for brighton and for leeds previously too so tommy mm. asu may be in a wing back role that makes him more disciplined and when he drops back it gives say Tavares the license to get forward and then it turns into a back four on on the attack with with tini then moving to that left hand side slot so there's options for Arteta, and i think as you said at the start of your monologue there like it's a great problem to have for, mm. for arteta and last season the problem was is that when tini was injured he put Xhaka at left back because there was no other option. We'd loaned out Sa Kalasinac and uh, we'd not replaced him with any backup, so it was a needed signing. And one they have definitely got right, I think. I think
1: so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting the back three. I don't know where I stand with it at the moment because I think I look at uh, Brighton who went to Anfield recently, who traditionally, yeah. yeah, they love a back three. But mm. Potter, who's a you know a very clever manager, he got he went to back four, didn't he? Um, I was, to- was right back wasn't he um yeah
0: Correa was left back yeah
1: yeah but yeah i think you're right actually yeah um and i was trying to think as a, and when i saw the team why would he do that and i wonder if maybe there was because obviously Liverpool play with that you know from three who we were kind of pressing monsters normally and i just wondered if maybe they see this you know three v three battle um you know three attackers on three central mm. defenders and at least if it's a back four, you've you've got that four v three, you've got that extra man in your defence to help build up play it. I don't know. That's just me completely guessing. Ooh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting that Potter chose to avoid it. Um,
0: and Moyes as well, to be fair, use the yeah, back four. Yeah, yeah So
1: we'll, we'll we'll wait and see anyway. But yeah, it's it's interesting nonetheless. Absolutely.
0: Um, let's move on to the kind of last focus of, of, of the day, which I wanted to talk about, which was the goal scorer, Smith Rowe. Uh, really interestingly, whilst he's he's being so influential for Arsenal, and he scored in three successive Premier League games um, now, which is uh, when people have challenged him to add goals to his game, he's, he's answering that. He's been rewarded now with an England call-up as well, which is fantastic news. And I was looking from an Arsenal perspective that... I, trying to think back to the last time Arsenal had three members of the squad in the England team is you have to go back a along I think you're going back to the days of Adam Seaman and Dixon being selected so that's it's it's a long long time ago Ashley Cohen sold Campbell as well previously too mm. but thinking of, of three and arguably it could have been four if Ben White was was should have been in my view rightly yeah, picked unlucky. for the for the team as well so what's interesting about this though David is that the fact that it's you know, he's passing backwards a lot and he's passing laterally a lot and against Watford, he only played two forward passes all game and he only played three against Leicester. But, I mean, looking at kind of some of the the movement that he has during games, a lot of this is to do with his style of liking to just lay off and then run into the space ahead of him for that kind of pass back and then use his dribbling ability or running onto chances to shoot, to, to play. Do you think this is... Do you think it's a concern that he doesn't? He's not as adventurous, maybe, as his passing as he could be, or do you think this kind of established style that he's growing into is something that he just needs to continue to develop with?
1: Yeah, I think obviously, when you look at these more um, uh, game-specific uh, statistics, it's really hard to kind of gauge how how much value you put on and how, and mm. what what the influences are. So I think in in, in this situation from the Watford game. I'd be looking at going, OK, so he may be a little bit conservative in his passing or was it that or was it that the, the options were limited? I mean, if we think about what we spoke about on the show already, we had um, Aubameyang maybe struggling to, to be his best. He was obviously the target man who would be ahead of him. Um, if you think about the fact that the centre-backs, uh, a lot of the passing combinations between them, where the mm. openings ahead, quite difficult to find, and that's why they, they had to re- retain the ball a little bit more between them. And was he facing similar issues? You know, where were the options ahead of him quite limited? If you think of where he was on the pitch, Arsenal obviously dominating territory, so he's probably picking the ball more often than not in the Watford half, quite deep. Ahead of him, there's going to be a lot of Watford players, not many Arsenal players. So is it about instead of maybe being a negative, is it about being a little bit more astute, a little bit more clever, and rather than force some passes that maybe aren't on and turning possession over, is he retaining the ball, you know, helping the side move it from side to side and try and make make those openings? It could be that. If you, who, who was the last opponent that we were looking at on the on the Viz? Uh
0: Leicester, I believe it was. So. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, obviously, we we haven't got anything to back up the numbers. We're just talking generically here. I'll mm. give you know, we're, we're Leicester- his
0: average, if you like. I mean, he's averaged seven forward passes across the Premier League season. Um, yeah. like That's on each game. I mean, you have games like against Aston Villa, when we won 3-1, he played 20 forward mm. passes in that game. So, Yeah. I balance. think of I think
1: of Villa, though. And I think Asadi were a little bit uh, disjointed at the moment, maybe not as organised. You know, obviously, Dean Smith just left. Uh, you think Leicester probably had a little bit more attack and ambition, if I remember rightly, in that game, the, the outshot Arsenal, uh, they the, the created more chances, were they attacking more, leaving more spaces in behind? Obviously in this game, Arsenal dominated, didn't they, pretty much, and mm. certainly they, they took twice as many shots, I think Watford only had one shot on target. So naturally, Watford would be a little bit deeper. Um, I just think this is one of the reasons. I'm not saying it's the only reason; it's just one mm. of them. And then I think these shots that you brought up were really interesting, uh, just on the previous slide, um, because that is kind of what you're putting at. Is, is the kind of way that Smith Rowe likes to play? You know, likes to attack, and the way Arteta wants his Arsenal side attacking you know, those short, intricate passing. Um, so naturally, if we're looking at this statistic in particular. You know, there are going to be maybe um, an increase in, at times in, in mm. sideways passes, but as I said, it doesn't necessarily mean it's something that's a negative or something that we need to worry about.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, Just to round off the show then, David, just final thoughts on on where you kind of see Arsenal now. It's 10 games unbeaten. You said at the start of the show, you feel like maybe it's gone under, ironically, a little bit under the radar. Um, People may point to the games that we've played uh, and the teams that are in that run, Norwich, Burnley... Not a very good Tottenham side. Brighton, nil-nil. Brighton, a very good side this season. Palace, 2-2 at home. Could we have got a better result out of that game? Aston Villa, of course, are struggling themselves. Uh, Leeds United in the cup. We've had Wimbledon in the cup as well. Leicester City away from home is a tough game, but Leicester haven't been the side you'd say they've been in previous years. And then Watford at home. So is there an argument there? Do you think that people would turn around and say that, yeah, 10 games unbeaten is impressive and very good, but... This Liverpool game that comes next is going to be the real, genuine test of how far this team's grown from that City defeat.
1: Uh, I think,
0: yeah, I think that that happens quite
1: often, doesn't it? Where you'll 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 get uh, you'll get oh there's always a caveat, you know. Yes, yeah. you're winning, but but you yeah. know, I did uh, last week. I did a kind of a bit of analysis just to see who'd had the kind of tougher run so far in the Premier League. Uh, it's on my Twitter if anyone wants to check it out afterwards and. I'm just bringing it up now, and Arsenal are really middle of the road in terms of who they played in the first ten matches. Um, you know, if you send me the that,
0: link on the private chat, I'll throw it up on the screen. Yeah, I'll
1: talking. do. I'll do it straight away now. Um, where is it? Two seconds. Uh, yeah, so Arsenal's um, Arsenal's actual kind of running that they've had it based on the it's 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 based on where the opponents that they have faced. Or expect to finish as a collective average. Um, so I'll just see if it if it comes up. There you go. Yeah, that's the one. So if you if you have a look, at Arsenal there um, average is ten point five. You know that's that's pretty middle of the road. You know they've had some tough games, um, but they've had some easier ones. But on the whole, you can be fairly content with that. You know if you look at the likes of Everton, Wolves, they've had it pretty easy so far. You know Chelsea have had a, Decent beyond playing, I think he played Liverpool and City, but beyond that, it's been favourable. So if I'm an Arsenal fan looking at that now, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we, we we've had a good kind of sample size of the Premier League and we're picking up a lot of good results. So I don't think I don't think you can go ten matches in this division um, and say, oh, they were all easy because the division's too mm. competitive. So in short, I'd, I'd be feeling pretty optimistic. What I'd like to see as an Arsenal fan is maybe a bit more dominant in performance, in performances. Um, just to sometimes they've been a little bit like a coin toss, you know. Whoever's converted the chances has, has won the game. Um, I'd like to see Arsenal maybe dominate a little bit more and put these uh, matches out of the reach of the opponents if they can. Uh, it's not it's not always going to be possible against your Liverpool's, but maybe like a Wofford, uh, but even Wofford on another day, you know that. That, that finishes about three four nil, doesn't it? So, yes. to summarise, Tom, I think I think Arsenal fans should be quite quietly optimistic, and I quite fancy them to uh, to to get somewhere in around top six, top seven for sure this year.
0: Top four challenge? You're not going to go as far as say that yet.
1: I, I think the problem is it depends how United responds. I think if United um, keep Solskjaer, basically, yeah, if they keep them <laughs> and they stay in this, you know, kind of form up they're in, then there's going to be a spot there and. Who else? There's Arsenal. Who else West would you put in that, West Ham. Yeah. West Ham yeah. are a big problem from an Arsenal point of view. They're very good side. Uh, Tottenham, maybe, if they kind of come back under Conte. But I, I'll tell you what, if, if we're putting West Ham and maybe Tottenham under Conte in the in the conversation, then Arsenal definitely belong there for me, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's amazing because as we go back full circle, like considering Arsenal lost that 5 0 game against mm-hmm. City three games in, to see Arsenal three points off second at this stage, 11 games in. Arsenal were 16th, I believe, same time last season. So it's wow. the progression. From last season and what's happening under Arteta is, is impressive and <laughs> long may it continue. And again, as I said this off air, but David, thank you ever so much for your boys doing us a favour against Spurs at the weekend. Really, <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested from that. You've obviously just the last last question to the show because I'm sure Arsenal fans that didn't watch the game, it wasn't televised. What was Spurs under Conte like in their infancy, from your eyes, being at the yeah?
1: Group? So obviously we're looking. I guess we can't be too critical because he's only a weekend, but. You know i said to you and i said this off air, so it's not as if i'm kind of playing up to the the listeners or the, the people yeah. watching but i thought tottenham were really poor uh i expected a big reaction um mm. i think playing wise they still look a little bit lost which you can understand but what i expected was um, a big increase in work ethic um you know when in, in the press and in, a little bit more cohesion uh in, in possession and i also expected more from their key players kane looks miles off it he looks disinterested i know these are very generic terms that you hear everywhere yeah. but it, it, it perfectly summarizes where he's at the moment he, you know he doesn't look the player he was uh son looks like he's he's maybe carrying all the burden and struggling he was he was subbed off lucas looked poor again it's I would be feeling pretty optimistic as an Arsenal fan that the you know that spurs are and maybe not the quick fix that many are expecting. Now, you know, we could have our eye wiped. Conte's a very good coach and I'm sure very few are happy to see him go in. Uh but the the immediate reaction that we were that people would have been expecting uh didn't come. And maybe that's a good sign from an Arsenal point of view.
0: Yes, it is. It definitely so. David, thank you so much, as always, mate, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. As do the listeners. Tell people where they can find you. Thanks, mate. Yeah,
1: uh, at DAHughes underscore on Twitter or Instagram, although I'm a little bit less active on there. But yeah, reach out and, you know, happy to talk Arsenal with, with whoever wants to.
0: <laughs> I love that in the uh, in the tweet you put up about that we just looked at the average forecast in the season position for each Premier League side so far. That the second reply says, "What does this even mean?" And you're yeah. replying to it. <laughs> you know, it's just people just need to like gauge in a little bit more. Yeah, uh, it's a never.
1: It's a, honestly a never-ending battle at times, mate. But uh, yeah, you know, we're just we're just trying to help out, educate, give some insight where mm. we can, and you know. some people appreciate it some don't
0: absolutely I hope you guys listening certainly have today Uh, please do drop a like on today's video if you've enjoyed it and leave a comment as to your replies to what we've talked about today and of course go give David a follow on Twitter at DAHughes underscore you can find myself at Tom Cantor Media and The Arsenal Way at The Arsenal Way N5 and you can find all of our written content over at football.london as well as a lot of David's work as well we will see you very very soon but just keep following us down The Arsenal Way